Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday to you. Did you survive the wind? And the, I live sort of on a tilted lot. Like, it, it's my son and I can play baseball, but everything sort of runs to the back. There was water standing in my yard for a while yesterday afternoon, and it's not flat. Like, that's how much it rains. So hopefully you survived and, you know, picked up all the driftwood out of your yard today. Uh, lots to get to, but let's introduce the guy who's hanging out with me today. If you watch TV, you know this guy. He's There's a different... Somebody asked me once about, used to be on TV, what's the difference between TV and radio? I said, if you're on TV, you're famous. And you have two names. You have two names. Because this is Chris Harris, by the way, from WSMV. I'm curious to see where the story is going. Thanks for having me. Continue. When you're on TV, because I used to be on TV, it's like, let's go to Mickey Ryan with sports. Mickey Ryan joins us now. It's Mickey Ryan with sports. Here's Mickey Ryan. Mickey Ryan. So, like, you go to the Kroger store and people are like, hey, Mickey Ryan. Hey, Mickey Ryan, how are you, Mickey Ryan? <laughs> or whoever, like John Clark was my neighbor uh, who was the news anchor w, uh, at WBKO in Bowling Green. If you're like, John Clark, there's John Clark. There's John Clark, it's John Clark, John Clark. And when you're in radio, you're just your name. There's Blaine, there's Mickey. Show is Blaine and Mickey. There's Buck. But on TV, you're extra famous and you're both of your names. So so I feel like we've ratcheted up the fameometer today on the, the show. That's something. The first part is absolutely not true. I don't know what this extra famous thing is. You're so I, famous. I don't know about, no, no, no. Yes. no. Not at all. Not at all. Chris, I'll, I'll have to double check because I really don't pay attention to how individuals just address me. I think it's just Chris. I really do. I mean, I'm from here. There's you know really everybody. not a whole That's lot of it. people that I don't know that, you know, converse with me or willingly converse with me. So, <laughs> So yeah, I think it's just Chris, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pay attention to that from now on. Pay attention. Well, the thing you need to do is is quit Channel Four and go somewhere else, and then everyone will call you that because they didn't already know you. <laughs> now don't do that because I like watching you on Channel Four. You guys have got a fantastic crew, by the way. Um, Thanks, you, it's you, fun, man. You guys do a great job, and I mean the news people are great, and you're just on top of everything. Um, uh, but it's cool having you on. Let's get into this first because this happened yesterday while Blaine and me were on the show. And certainly if anybody wants to weigh in on this, uh, I know you've called the other shows today. Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline is wide open, 615-737-1045. This thing about Nissan Stadium may be expanding. So we get a heads up. Hey, man, something big's about to happen. And I was like, oh, gosh, please tell me it's not something bad. It's like, no, no, it's nothing bad. It's just an interesting thing. So we get a heads up. Just wait, keep an eye on this reporter kind of a thing. Well, when I found out who the reporter was, Nate Rao, I thought, well, he's like a business guy. So it's businessy. What was businessy? So, you know, if you read the story, if you live on Earth, anywhere within the proximity of Middle Tennessee, you probably heard about this. The Titans were going to spend about $600 million, and they were going to expand and fix and shine and polish and update the stadium. Well, I guess once you start doing that, you realize, oh, we can't fix this. It's too old. Oh, we can't expand anything because the stadium is concrete and not steel. So what's this oh, ballpark? Oh, it's like twice as much. Okay, what are we doing then? Why don't we just build a new place? So that's kind of the – I'm giving the very cliff note version of this. I feel like – was that semi-accurate, you feel like? I think you're right on par. Okay, yeah. well, you know me and vagity. That's <laughs> I, Was that vague enough for all of you? So – for people like us, for Lucas Pianzica and Chris Harris, Chris Harris and Mickey Ryan, Mickey, we're like, oh, my gosh, well, there'll be a Final Four here. We can talk about it, and we're going to get the Super Bowl here if we build a stadium with the with the cover. And we'll get the SEC championship probably in rotation, and we'll get the college football championship, the college basketball championship, and every concert can come here even in February. And that's our narrative because it's like, oh, my gosh, these are things we can talk about and cover. This is fantastic. And there are people like you, if people don't know this, if they watch watch you regularly on Channel 4, they know you're a local guy. 
Like you're, you were telling me your family goes back a century plus. So it was interesting seeing the response of people like us. And I say Lucas and me because I, I don't know your response. I want you to tell me where we're like, yay, everything to cover if this works out. Yay. But there are a lot of people saying we still don't even have mass transit here. Yeah. We still have a road wide enough to get everybody out of downtown to the airport at five o'clock. You want more of everything? And what's the tax bill now in Davidson County? And there are a lot of people who I could hear just like brakes squeaking in my mind from a lot of local people. Sure. Who maybe have kind of felt that way all along. Like, look, that's fine. But before we fix any of this, let's fix a lot of other things first. I'm curious. You're a sports guy. But you're also a local, lifelong, born here, lived here, Nashvilleian. What do you think about all this? Yeah, it's it's a mixed bag uh, for everything that you mentioned. Yeah, one uh, – from our job standpoint, it, it just opens up so many possibilities that we didn't have before. And so that's the intriguing part. Like, there's no way in the world the Super Bowl is coming here with the stadium now, right? There's no way the Final Four is coming here with the stadium now. So we, we know that's not a thing. But if we get a stadium that has a roof over it that's ginormous, like, that becomes a possibility. And so that's, that's great. Now, the other side and some of the backlash that you were talking about, I totally get. Look, I live in Metro, and, yeah, my garbage schedule pickup is all over the place. Like, it's supposed to come on Thursdays, but it doesn't always come on Thursdays. And so, sure, that's a thing, and that's a thing that Metro is working through, and they've willingly said that, and that's part of it. So, sure, are there infrastructure things that can always be fixed? Yes. But you know what? The job of government and local government is to multitask and do a lot of things at once as best they can. And so why can't we do all of it? Why can't we fix one thing and then do another thing? And if you build something like that, I see, sure, on the front end, a billion dollars is a giant number. But let's look long term here. It is a revenue generator. I mean, a massive revenue generator. I don't know any of the specific numbers as to how quickly that Jerry World got paid off. But, I mean, he sold that thing out as soon as it was put up to every Tom, Dick, and Harry, hey, you want to have an event come in here? Like making money hand over fist. So – the long game is it's a revenue builder. Now, I don't know what it'll end up costing yeah. or, and all of that and who's going to – or whatever, but it's it's a mixed bag for sure, but there, there are pros and cons to it. Once it got to the point of of we're throwing good money after bad, you know, the plumbing's not compatible, mm-hmm. the infrastructure, the fiber for whatever all you need. Uh, uh, once it became – wait a second. You can't really – you can't really fix this anymore. These, it's a lot of it is obsolete now, based on when it was built. My argument all along was, look, man, six hundred million, and you you still basically have the same stadium. So at that point, why not try to get creative, even with some private people joining, or, or however you got to do it, and just see what it would look like to put a dome stadium over there? Because you're not going to build a new stadium in Nashville that doesn't have the ability to be covered and uncovered. I mean, I think it has to be the convertible type. Yeah. Because we still have a bunch of great days here where you throw the roof open on that sucker and have the time of your life over there with the sunshine. Absolutely. I think it absolutely, yeah, would have to be a retractable situation because, yeah, like you said, there are too many great days and too many great events. And if you're going to have concerts in there, let's open that thing up and have an open air thing. And, you know, in the fall time, like fall in this area, Nashville is the best, right? Oh, yeah. So anytime you have an event out there, you want it open regardless of what it is. I was I was writing my notes for the show, and I was writing my notes this morning. I got up, and I worked on some last night. And and I wrote this down, and, and, and this isn't completely accurate, but 
this isn't necessarily the excitement for this. And I mentioned people like us. It gives us more stuff to cover. I don't know if the excitement level is the same for Titans fans as it is for just fans who just want to see everything come here. Because if you're a Titans fan, you're, the thing I've seen the most from Titans fans is, am I going to lose my PSL? Do I have to buy another one? And, oh, my gosh, what's this going to cost me? Right? It costs this much now. Oh, my gosh, what's it going to cost if you put a roof on it and it you know looks like the Death Star that the Raiders play in? What's this going to cost? And there's definitely going to be some cost ramifications. And it's going to change the way it looks and feels and sounds and everything else over there. So I know there have got to be some diehard Titans fans who have a lot of trepidation about this, just thinking, I'm always over there. I come every time the doors are open. Man, what is this going to cost me? But that's the job of the organization, right? To reach yeah. out to those people, good organizations who value their fan bases, to reach out to those people and like curb fears and just have open conversations with them as opposed to, you know, just, well, here are the new ticket prices and send it out a form email. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like that's, that's, that's the job of any good organization that's trying to sell its product is to ha- have a discussion with those people, I think. It will be <clears throat> Prometheus who has said constant. Uh, consistent uh, poster in our zone TV chat says real mass transit to downtown. I wonder if something like this, and like you said, it's, it's the job of any government to say, okay, let's try to let, we have to juggle a whole lot of things. It's our job to solve all these issues, whatever we choose to do or not do. Um, I wonder what this would do even for some of the outside communities, because at that point you're hosting events so big, you're going to have people staying all around in mass, does that force Nashville to say, okay, now we have to do this. We have to put in a train system. We have to put in a something system. To me, this all, in a lot of ways, this would almost seem to force your hand. Sure. I think anytime you're bringing in, yeah, more people, and regardless of the fact of how many people are now moving here, but yeah, anytime more people are coming in, especially for events like that, I think it's definitely something that they would absolutely have to look at it continue to look at you know the plan didn't work the the first time what they tried but keep swinging man because like the the city's only growing right the city's only growing so you got to keep swinging well think about this for the last however many years in the city that you grew up in it's 100 plus people that move here every day yeah 100 plus people that that pull into this city every day some with a guitar some not you know with their hopes and dreams and kenneth says in his own tv chat nashville is a destination city if you add the Super Bowl or those kind of entertainment events, it is one of the, in all caps, destination cities, New York, L.A., Miami, Chicago, Nashville. As a Nashville, Middle Tennessee native, can you believe, like, if somebody told you, hey, when you grow up, you have pro football and, and professional hockey and professional soccer here, and they're going to build a building here, maybe, that you could host the Super Bowl in Nashville. If somebody told, like, 10-year-old you that, you would have been like, huh? Yeah, I don't know what I, I, I would have been like. Wow, that's pretty cool. I just remember young, like we what the team that we would go follow. We'd go up to both my parents are Tennessee Vols graduates, and so like we'd go up to Neyland Stadium and tailgate before the games. Like the Tennessee Vols were our team growing up, and we go to Vanderbilt games here too. But that was that was it. Um, and so like yeah, it would have been great. As I got a little older, it was like all right. Broadway obviously wasn't Broadway that it is now, but right. like people were still down there, like walking around, hanging out. Like obviously Tootsie's was there and, and, and some of the, the iconic places. Um, and I would tell, I remember I would tell people like when I went to college and whatever, 
so what do you do, you know, in your hometown? What do we do here? I was like, really? Like, my buddies and I, we got our driver's license. We just go and, like, park downtown and walk around downtown because, like, people were just hanging out and walking around downtown. Like, in the summertime, you know, when you have dancing in the district and <laughs> oh, all that stuff. Oh, it was stuff, the best. Like, dancing in the district yeah, was the just, best. Exactly. You just go down there and you walk around and hanging out. And so, like, if someone had said then, all right, all this stuff is coming, I, I probably would have been like, well, people are already down here wanting to just hang out and enjoy the place because <laughs> it's right by the river. Like, yeah, that seems about right. Why not? Well, I, I had to go down at one point, and this was in, in the post-COVID era of Nashville, and take my wife something for a charity event. And this was like a Tuesday night, and I could not. I was astounded by how many people. And I've been to Preds games and stuff, but I leave and go get my truck and come home. But just to go up and down Broadway and to see, there are just – well, now, now it's insane. It's like insane. Twenty four seven. It's insane. Twenty four seven. And to steal a line from my dad, and I always feel old when I do. Is like, don't these people have jobs? <laughs> like, because it's all day. You know, all where day. Are they, what are they doing? It's two in the afternoon on a Tuesday. No one's working. They left what they were doing wherever they were doing, and took time off work to come here and walk around on a Wednesday on Broadway, <laughs> which is what fifteen year old Chris Harris did. Right. They took a vacation yeah. day to come here and take pictures in front of the wings in the Gulch. <laughs> That that's part of what they did on vacation. Yeah. That's what Nashville is to people now. And to me, the next logical thing is an arena that could host anything here. Sure. And I get it. Some of y'all don't want it. You can hit us on Twitter at Blaine and Meek. You can hit us in the Zone TV chat. You can hit us on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline if you want to as well. 615-737-1045. Art Chris Harris from WSMV is hanging out today. Buck Rising will join us next. Share what Uncle Buck's got to say about all this. That's coming up on Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Chris Harris from Channel 5 hanging out. Now Buck Rising from the Buck Rising Show hanging out. It's a party in the studio. I don't even Lucas is here. I'm here. I feel like I should just move over and let you guys do your thing here. Chris, you, you wanted to interrupt the proceedings until Lucas turned your microphone on. Now we can hear Yeah, Chris. that's all right. I just wanted Chris Harris from where? What did I say? Channel 4. I said the wrong channel. <laughs> that's all right. Okay, my that's bad. All right. My bad. That's all right. See, I've already blown it. He's done one segment. <laughs> now he doesn't like me anymore. Chris Harrison, WSMV, Channel 4, Buck Rising. Brought to you here courtesy of Two Rivers, Ford, home of the non-commissioned salespeople. So as the NFL season and being in the city of an NFL teams to do, a team seems to do, Buck, topics just continue to fall out of the sky. Bless it. While there are no games being played, oh, just one day Nate Rowe does a story with Axios formerly of other media outlets. I think he was with the Tennessean at one point. He was really he, good with the Tennessean. He was. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got a little bit of a heads up yesterday that he would be dropping a story. So I thought, well, this has to be business related because he's Mr. Business Guy. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of business involved with the potential stadium, which no one said indoor. But, of course, what do you call us, media vultures? Yes. Uh, our, us media vultures instantly said, well, it has to be an indoor stadium. So, then we get to spend days and days talking about a new indoor stadium right over there on the Cumberland coastline. It's not even it's not even discussing a stadium. It's the idea of a stadium <laughs> that we're discussing. And yes. you know what I did for three hours uh, uh, today, boys? I talked about the idea of a stadium. Yeah, I mean the whole thing is the whole thing is fascinating, right? Because we have discussed the idea of a Super Bowl and major. Uh, sports events, not just sports events, by the way, major events, Nashville as an event 
based city. Our tourism is off the charts because we provide a unique experience to everywhere else in the country. So why not drop a NFL stadium, a new NFL stadium into the middle of that that is synonymous with the growth and uh, the projection of what the city of Nashville wants to be. Now, of course, there's a million different things that are problematic about it. There's a million different things that are going to uh, need to happen before they can even make the decision to pursue this particular avenue, which we are not there. It's just the idea of this whole thing. So, um, you know, I'm for it. It doesn't change my life either way. I'm <laughs> I'm, so we had a, we had a big uh, we had a big relatability issue today because I I couldn't find the word for nosebleeds and uh, and it was it's nosebleeds. No, I know I was struggling to think of where do, where do they put all of the people at the very top of the stadium? Oh yeah, and I was struggling with that idea. Okay, and uh, how did that go over? Not well. Okay, Lucas can probably speak to that better than I could. He took the phone calls and the vitriol that ensued from that. It's my life. Um, what do you say to fellow Davidson County citizens? And you are one. I am. What do you say to them as you pontificate about bring me all of the large stadiums and put them in my city? Well, either way, right? It's they they're committed to a new lease, like whether it's Nissan lease or new stadium lease. Uh, it ain't publicly funded anymore. Like that's the franchise has openly made a commitment to doing that. Now, if you backtrack on that, then it's your ass. <laughs> but. With with this circumstance, like, yeah, the people that don't care about sports or don't care about the Titans or don't care about, you know, Garth Brooks or whatever the case may be, like, it's off your dime. You don't have to, have to care about it anymore. But for the people who do care about those things and are also taxpayers in Davidson County, they have to understand that even though it's no longer going to be a part of your taxes, you are going to pay an increase of cost because the stadium is going to be responsible, the team and the stadium are going to be more directly responsible for the maintenance, for the upkeep, for the general things that the that the city was previously paying for, a minimum of $25 million a year. Um, now that's going to come out in your ticket stub. So, yeah. bully for you. Well, and also all the development that goes around it, like right? Oh, like, hell we yeah. We don't know how that's going to go, and so that could affect property taxes and all of that stuff as well. More places for me and my buddies to get drunk downtown is not a bad option. <laughs> But, and for everybody, you know, bachelorettes, uh, party tabs. Are you really advocating for more bachelorette parties to come down here? I'm advocating for more money. Okay. I like money. The city of Nashville likes money. I would say that there is infinitely more money to be made on the East Bank. Now, from a, from a goods and services, from a small business standpoint, the value of PSC metals and the service that it does provide as far as raw materials is concerned there is also a financial component associated with that just wretched wretched uh eyesore of a situation but i i will not downplay its importance from a financial standpoint that they are looking to kind of clean everything up around so they can have a place with their shiny new stadium not next to you know a scrapped vw beetle from 1965 or whatever how do they reconcile all that, though? Because I, I've listened all day, and I see Twitter, and people are like, well, just get rid of the scrapyard. Well, it's not that simple. No. And PSC Metals, I guess, sold the interest in the business, but not the land that the business sits on. Nope. So, and they're a partner. Of, they advertise in the pregame show. They've been there forever, and they're oh. a part of our family. Then apologies. I love them very, very much. So, Big but fan I, of the 1965 Beetle. But, but it is what it is to pull into the city over there and see what it is. It is what it is. It's one of the first things you see, and it is next to the stadium. I just wonder what could never have been worked out until now. How does that get worked out in the future then? Because it's still there. Everybody's got a price. So what's the price for the land there? 
right? That's what I'm saying. Like, it's like Chris Harris get... money. <laughs> not this Chris Harris. Maybe the Chris Harris that plays DB in the NFL. That's his money. Yeah, I, no, not even that guy. Not even that guy. Um, I I wish that I had more solutions to the problem. But basically the answer is they, they can charge whatever they want to for that. Yeah. Because that is just a perfect real estate situation for whatever. Not not residential real estate, commercial real estate, industry, tourism, uh, sports-related, mixed-use uh, mis- mixed facilities that will be put in over there. Parking, for God's sakes, is at a premium in the city. And anything that's even logistically close to that bridge and all those bars, as far as parking is concerned, there's a ton of money to be made there. How you reconcile that? Well, it's just a, it's a dollar amount. And you have yeah. to determine, or PSC has to determine what that dollar amount is and how far they are willing to push the city to be like, right, yeah, you can have it. Here's what it's going to cost. You know, counter offer great. No, here's what it's going to cost, and then make the decision whether that's worth your while or not. Maybe they'll throw in a 65 Beetle. Uh, Buck Rising. I got a bunch. Buck Rising, our guest here on Blaine and Mickey, hanging out with Chris Harris and me. So let's go into some of this. Uh, I know you've had a lot of fun with it. What is your favorite Mike Vrabel press conference moment? Because you've posted several. Uh, it's a good question. Um, Probably the one where he called Kaharski an idiot and Rex Road uh, and, and then spat at Rex Road. You're a professional writer, Joe. <laughs> and then went on to burn us all to the ground. Now, with the new stadium, is allegedly coming a shark tank where everybody who pays a certain amount of money can drink and watch Mike Vrabel rip our heads off. Dude, were you aware of this in what? the renderings? What's happening? No, no. You, you know, like the like the media situation that they have in New England and Kansas yeah. City where you where to get to the locker room, you have to walk through all these right. luxury lounges in the bowels of the stadium. Right. And in there is a one-way mirror for people to look at the press conference setting. Apparently, we in the renderings, we were getting one of those. So now okay. people can pay a premium price to watch us all be called idiots and professional writers. That's solid entertainment right there. Is it? <laughs> Just solid. No, I think I think people are going to find because those are the, the the clips that I posted. Those are the sexy moments. Everything else is just like got to play better, coach better. It's right. the lion's den. And there's you, just Mike. one lion doing all the eating in there. It's right. Mike Vrabel. Well, it's the lion at the podium, and he's got to make sure that the tape recorders are in exactly the order that he wants. And God help that American flag that sits at the corner of the podium because I think he ground it into dust after a loss this year. But regardless, yeah, the 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 idiot, you know. I knew some. I knew one idiot was going to come in here and ask me that question. Plus, professional writer, all happening in the same press conference. That was 2019 after they lost by three to the Houston Texans. Lashawn Sims had like a weird punt return situation uh, that that was the question being posed as the first question right after he walked in there, mustached and pissed, <laughs> pissed. It was a great moment. I uh, I it made me miss football season. I spent I spent probably three hours looking up Mike Vrabel clips and cackling to myself, uh, which is about what I do with my time after football's over. It's his funniest moment, would you say? Oh, the funniest moment when he got trucked by that ref in Baltimore, <laughs> like physical comedy, right? Like the the ref doesn't see him, and he's sprinting down the sideline to keep up with the play, and he just absolutely smokes Mike, who is not a small man. No, he is full size, six four. I don't. I'm not going to take a guess at his weight. It'll probably blow back up in my face at some point. You'd hear from him. Well, especially now with the fact that I'm getting fatter. But um, I think that I think that yeah, him getting smoked by that ref on the sideline in Baltimore in the middle of a game is one of his finest comedic moments.
What about the jawing with Brady at the uh, joint practice here a couple of years ago? Uh, you know, Pats were here. it was overrated just because it's two famous people yelling at each other, but it was also very funny to see that Mike just doesn't give a damn yeah. <laughs> you know, who you are because I've also been yelled at that way. Um, in fact, in much less flattering terms by Mike Vrabel, but, you know, don't look at the third field. Did this involve a salmon jumpsuit or just the looking at the third field? No, the salmon jumpsuit is a hit. John Robinson was very complimentary. I heard him talk about that. He didn't sound complimentary. Well, you know, I think uh, I'm an easy target, especially when when I'm covered uh, all over the Internet in a salmon-colored jumpsuit. Uh, Speaking of targets, you talked about this this week. You had a little news on Harold Landry. He wants to be the top-paid guy in his meeting room. Uh, Unfortunately, the same guy in his meeting room is Bud Dupree. Can that be reconciled in a way that uh, fits into John Robinson's wallet? Sure. What's more important, your pass rush or everything else? Like, what's the value of the pass rush, this pass rush, with these specific players to a Super Bowl team? Is it more important than... Upgrading your wide receiver or signing a tight end in free agency? I don't know. That's entirely uh, how they believe their football team needs to be constructed. But, I mean, they if they were to get, say they paid Harold, and this wouldn't happen because they would stagger the salary cap hit in a way that they have done with Tannehill, Henry, uh, Bayer, Dupree, in a way that Bud Dupree made or counted against the cap for about $5 million last year, and this year it's 19, right? So the front-end cap hit wouldn't be outrageous. But hypothetically, if that front-end cap hit was to be $17 million in 22, and you were paying or Bud counted against the cap for 19, that would still put them outside of the top three um, of teams spending money on just edge rushers in 2022. The Niners... Packers and Bears are all paying north of $50 million for edge rushers on their roster. We do know that Chicago has horrendous deficiencies on the offensive line, which is a lot of where that pass rush money is going. We know that Aaron Rodgers needs desperately more help at the wide receiver position, but they refuse to give him uh, it instead, spite drafting a quarterback at the 10th overall pick. Um, and the other team, the Niners, is winning with a quarterback who's at value but appears to be a bit of a bum. So I think all of those things, those deficiencies, have to be taken into account when you've already paid the big money contract for the money that you've set aside in your financial planning for the three-year plan. Mm -hmm. You've already paid the big contract at the edge rusher position of Bud Dupree. Is it important enough for you to pay another one that and say, all right, we're living and dying with the fact that we're going to get to the quarterback, but I don't know about the rest of it. I'm curious, too, is how much stake Vrabel has in this. Because, like, what do you feel, Buck? Anytime that Mike Vrabel talks about Harold Landry. Loves him. Just gushes. And Mike Vrabel's not one to gush. Except that time that he told us that Jonu Smith made a really, really good play in a game. (laughs) And then he told us that, like, it came down to the way that his mother raised him in a Zoom press conference. Wow. That uh, that stuck in the gray matter in my head. I do not remember that. I got a bunch of random crap like that, Chris. That's That's how I occupy my time and do three hours of radio by myself. (laughs) Sure. So I wonder, from that instance, like, what the the relationship is between John and Mike as far as, you know, the give and take is obviously John's ultimate call. He's the one pulling the strings. Yeah. But, like, how how much pull in that? Does Mike Vrabel have plenty? Yeah, plenty, especially given what John has been able to provide or not provide to the roster as far as the draft picks are concerned. Uh, Harold's the only hit out of that class, right? That's that weird four man draft class with Rashawn that they traded up for, Harold that they traded up for. You had Crookshank in the fifth, and then Luke Falk at the Tom Brady pick, one ninety nine. 
Uh, Rashawn not getting a second contract was a healthy scratch for their playoff game. Like, you can count Harold as the one legitimate hit because I don't think they're going to bring Crookshank back on a second contract, even though he did have some great value for them in covering tight ends. Mike has a lot of say in this. But at a certain point, like, they're going to go to Mike and they're going to say, all right, who do you who do you prioritize? Who do you value out of this group between everybody from Randy Bullock, Titans legend, to Harold Landry, to Anthony Ferkser and everything in between? Like, who do you value? Who do we absolutely need to keep for you to be able to function this way? And if Mike says Harold, then they'll find a way to do it. And if it's completely unfeasible and they say, all right, well, you can't have Harold, but you can have a Mike Gusecki. How about that? little tight end action for your quarterback that desperately needs a security blanket, then you have to do the cost-benefit analysis and, and come out with whatever makes the most sense for the football team. But if Mike values that pass rush more than anything else, then he'll have a pass rush that's legitimately va- at a higher value than everything else. Who is your top guy that needs to get paid on the Titans? And that could even include AJ. That can include Big Jeff. Heck, we had a PFF guy on. He said, I don't know if I wouldn't restructure Big Jeff and sign him to a con before I did anybody else based on how much that, how much more it could cost you down the line. So who's the, who's the 17, we'll call it 17 to $19 million player between Jeff and Harold? It's Jeff. Yeah. It's Jeff. So. I would say that should also be taken into consideration for the Harold Landry potentially um, double-digit millions of dollars. Uh, I would say that if you can get ahead, if you can get ahead of the AJ contract because he is extension eligible, like now, mm-hmm. uh, get ahead of the AJ uh, extension. You can you can survive and make the money work with Jeff at ten on that uh, on that franchise. Excuse me, on the fifth-year option side of things in a way that's hugely palatable, gives you the opportunity to. Keep a, a one of your free agents who is going to hit the market, one of your main free agents that's going to hit the market, and also get ahead a of market inflation on the AJ contract. So in two years, it just doesn't look that bad at 20 mil. Do you think the Titans expect Caleb Farley to be what Christian Fulton was this year, to basically go from zero to 100? They damn sure better. Yeah. <laughs> they got it. Jack Rabbit can't continue to exist on this roster in his present form at that price point and Farley not be a contributor. So, yeah, I mean, if you invest in that player, and they've told us all year, Chris, that the medicals, they felt confident about the medicals when they drafted him, that, yeah, you have three, in theory, starting corners that you've drafted in the last two draft classes. Molden, Farley, Fulton. If Farley can't be your answer opposite Fulton... Then you have to legit. I mean, it's gonna, it's good in the way that Isaiah Wilson and to an extent Dylan Raidens are gonna have ripple effects for years to come. That Farley thing will blow up in your face so fast if that guy's not ready to go. Zero to 100, too. You're asking a lot of a guy who hasn't played very much football in the last two years. No, the first start he got, he blew out his ACL. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 you feel bad. Like, I, you know, I laugh a little bit and I'm making jokes, but like, you feel terrible for the guy. Absolutely. And when he struggles, because he will absolutely struggle for the reasons that just uh, that Chris just outlined. Um, there's going to be a ton of scrutiny on him, and that is a difficult spot for a player who has already had a ton of scrutiny on him since he prior to him coming into the league. It's just it's a lot to ask, but this is the circumstance that they have put him in, and now he either survives or, or fails. Well, they sure got a lot of eggs in that basket. The Raidens basket, too, looks like one that uh, the, he needs to be starting somewhere. There's one of those he's an spots. offensive lineman. I don't know if he's a guard. I don't know if he's lineman. a tackle. He may be a damn center for all I know. 
All I know is an offensive line. He's going to be one of those things next year. They pencil him in, kids. Uh, pencil Buck rising in every Friday because that's when he joins us. Again, courtesy of our friends at Two Rivers Ford. Thank you, sir. Go, go start your weekend. See you, boys. Yes, sir. Right. Buck rising. Uh, more with Chris Harris and me coming up next, including I want to ask him about something that he knows a whole lot about that's going on right now. You'll find out next, and so will he. Ah, Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. A little Pink Floyd from Lucas. Lucas really been just pulling out some classic rock stuff for me lately. I don't think he does it for me, but I do appreciate that he does it. I do it with you in mind, I promise. David Gilmore, who's the guitar player for Pink Floyd. Legend. Rock fans and know this, but maybe you don't. You just know that song from the radio, you know. Somebody asked him once, how do you sound like that? And he goes, I play a Fender guitar through a Fender amp. Pretty, pretty simple. I, I thought that was a nice explanation. Like, <laughs> well, you know, I... The greatest rock and roll story of all time, if you know who Black Sabbath is, and Chris Harris is hanging out for Blaine today. Do you know anything about Black Sabbath? Anything? A little bit. Okay, like Ozzy was, sure. was his original band, Black Sabbath, some blokes from, you know, industrial, uh, an industrial town, and uh, they, Tommy Iommi cut his fingers off, and his last day at work, when he quit, he went in and quit and said, my band's going to make it, and he worked his last day and cut the ends of his fingers off, so that's why he plays the guitar like he does, and there was a great interview with Tony Iommi, and these guys are, you know, very British and very proper, and well, not they don't act, they've, you know, certainly blown up their share of things and all, and all that. But anyway, very, you know, proper to hear him speak, and he plays a Gibson SG. And somebody asked him, you know, that that guitar is like the instrument of of heavy, and you guys, you know, you're the heavy of heavy metal, and you put the heavy in it. And the Gibson SG has become synonymous with the heaviest of metal, and. And how in the world did you did you pick that instrument as your instrument of destruction that would destroy the earlobes of music fans for decades? And he was like, well, we were in the studio and I had a Stratocaster and it was broken. I only owned one more guitar. It was an SG. And the guy was like, okay. Like he really wanted to say, you know, it looked like the devil and I picked it up. And you know, the other guitar was broken. Don't overthink it, man. He didn't overthink it. Yeah. So the Gibson SG became the sound of Tony Iommi. So right now the sound of Channel 4 where Chris Harris uh, does his sports casting is the Olympics. And I said this on Twitter to like not much fanfare. I, I got called dumb and all sorts of things by people. I love the Olympics. I love it. Do you have a preference, summer over winter? No, I love them both. I actually like the Winter Olympics better. Really? Yes. But I love them both. And everything, I mean, like ice skating, which is huge for a lot of people, is probably the thing that, that I would be least interested in. But I watch that, too. And for people who missed out on this, what's going – I mean, I, I stayed up late. I, I watch, like, until you guys come on, then I watch the newscast, then I keep watching. Yeah. What happened last night here – I don't know what the time frame was in China where it's actually happening – was one of the most compelling things I've ever seen. A 15-year-old girl – who tested positive for a banned substance, and she's in the middle of this internet. This is an international incident yeah. because it's the Olympics. If this has been fascinating TV for me, it's wild. And yeah, what happened last night on live TV was uh, unbelievable. Is the best way I can think to put it. Even the commentators, if you watched last night, you know, like Tara and Johnny and all, they were just kind of just blown away by what all went down. And 
You had the 15-year-old uh, Val- Mila Valieva uh, who fell multiple times. Like, this is a girl that was supposed to, before any of this, was going to come in and sweep the gold medals. Yep. She was the standard. She was doing jumps that were just in- incredible. So then when she gets popped for doping and then is allowed to stay in there, everything pretty much came down on her shoulders. And you could tell um, just immediately, even in, even in the short skate that she had on Tuesday night, um, when she faltered once, she doesn't fall ever. Yeah. And so, like, that was, all right, you can tell it's kind of waning on her. And then last night, it all came to a head when she just fell multiple times and was done and was just incredibly emotional at the end. And I'm not even going to talk about how her Russian handlers and coaches even dealt with that because they were about as cold as ice to her. And then you see um, the girl that ended up getting second, the silver, Trusova, was angry that she didn't win the gold. So she was on an emotional, like, ugly cry tirade as well. And, and say, so I-, I won't go to the podium. Yeah. Yes. And all of this under, like, the umbrella, like, in the Winter Olympics, the figure skating is what you watch. That's the thing. Yeah. It's the marquee event. Yeah. Yes. And it was just unreal what unfolded last night. It was just, it was a bad train wreck. And really, and I was talking with my girlfriend about this after, it's like, really, this is ultimately how it had to happen at the end in order for there to be a proper resolution going forward with the Russian national committee and the, and Rusada and all those people, as far as how, how they figure out going forward, what to do to them. It had to publicly collapse on them on a world stage on the ice. Oh, and it did. Yeah. And then it further collapsed once the ice action ended. Um, I've never seen anything like it. And, and really, and they're always going to people say, well, you cheat, you get what you deserve. I feel terrible for a 15-year-old kid. Because sure. if you don't think that kid's getting manipulated, then I, then I think you're missing out. On, Absolutely. I mean, I, I felt sorry for the for the young lady who is in the middle of She's 15 years mm-hmm. old. My daughter's 15. I, I can't imagine. Sure. I and, mean, and you don't know how, you know, like 15, you assume your daughter knows right from wrong, right? Yep. And like, you don't know how complicit she was with any of this. We don't know that. But you would also assume that it's coming from the top. She didn't like put her hand up in the middle of this, who she's already the best skater, right? Right. She didn't put her hand up and say, you know what? Uh, I need some, like, in- enhancements here. It's heart medicine. Hook, hook me will- up with something. Yes. Yeah. Enhance the oxygen in my blood yeah. if you've got that. Yeah. You know. Unbelievable. You know. Well, it, what happens in the fallout from this will be fascinating. And what I hate is just somebody who's, uh, I told you, I don't like the Olympics. This is what... If you think that you're missing out, to watch Sean White finish his last mm-hmm. run and to eventually, in real time, coping with it and essentially say, it really ended the right way because I taught these guys and they passed me. I know now that I've handed the torch over. Sure. Where he's realizing that over the course of his interviews. And and maybe the most compelling moment of all was Lindsey Jacobellis and a, a, I cannot think of the guy's name, 40-year-old snowboarder. Mm-hmm. Um he had missed out on his last event on a medal, and they interviewed him. And he said, you know, I'm 40 years old. I'll never make it back. This was my last opportunity. I've poured my whole life into this. I feel like I've let people down. And he was just despondent. And they put him in the the co-ed, essentially, mm. snowboard cross race where they take their times and add them up. And he and Lindsay, a 40-year-old and a 37-year-old, won over like a bunch of 20-year-olds. Yeah, and they won. 
and that's that's the compelling part to me about the Olympics is is the individual personal stories, right? Oh. Like the sports are the sports, and like we we're lucky we get to watch great sports across the board here, you know, as much as we want. But it's it's the individuals and their compelling stories are what do it for me. And why during the Olympics, it's interesting. Like we always have it at six thirty. Monday through Saturday on Channel 4, we run the Olympic Zone. I watch right? it every night sure. while I eat and my it's dinner. Just, it's compelling stories about individual American Olympic athletes and how they got there, what they've been doing. And, like, to me, that is that is the real value of the Olympics because once you know someone, then you're more invested in them, and then you want to watch them and see how they perform, right? Oh, was Elena Myers-Taylor last night and her son and her husband and – I mean, it's just all fascinating to me. So, uh, Olympic Zone, you're, you're really running out of episodes and time. What? That's it, right. We're we're done this weekend. Yeah. Well, if you haven't watched, watch. Uh, you're missing out. It's it's just fantastic stuff. And you guys do such a great job of the Olympic Zone too. That's a Channel Four thing. So you're getting local Olympic coverage where you guys are are taking that stuff and and making it your own. Right. I love it. Yeah. And it's good that NBC kind of does that for, for its affiliates. They hear all our, you know, national uh, stories we have on the individual athletes, you know, tell them in your markets. And yep. Yeah. I think it's a great thing. Well, it's great. Uh, fantastic. If you're missing out, it only happens every four years. Well, every two, the way they've staggered it, but uh, COVID is crazy. There's conflict all over the world. And then you've got athletes who come together and compete in these biathlon and everything else i i just i think it's fascinating and i love it so uh watch a little olympics yeah you don't get it that often and uh as chris said the personal sacrifices made by these people when you hear them tell their stories they've spent their whole life for a race that lasts 57 seconds or to skate four minutes or whatever it's just unbelievable well, uh and for like nathan chin the male figure skater you know won the gold by so much for, oh. for, for the u.s like you know it's it's redemption like the sort of redemption for him from four years ago in pyeongchang where he fell and he had so much riding on his shoulders yeah. and at the time he couldn't deal with it but now he can and he came back and dominated oh he moonwalked away yeah. with that it, it, and i did watch that he's so strong and so powerful it was, it was fantastic watch it there's no titans game you can watch some olympics <laughs> On Channel 4. All right, hour number two coming up. More from Chris Harris. Uh, more from you. You want to join the discussion? Lots of people weighing in on stuff in the Zone TV chat. You can tweet us at Blaine and Mickey. You can call uh, Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. We'll call our shot coming up in about 45 minutes. we got Luke Worsham coming up in about 20 minutes from A to Z Sports.